So I'm very excited because it's been a couple weeks since we had a guest on the podcast and I'm thankful, Jose, that you offered to or agreed to come on Kindled because I've been like the part I was most excited about for this podcast was being able to record people's testimonies because there's such faith building stories and things that we don't know about the people that we think we know or the people that we go to church with. And so I'm excited. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, sure. I love what you're doing. I think it's a a really cool uh, medium that you get to share and it gets broadcasted. So anything I can do to help for sure. Thank you. Um, So today we're just going to be doing pretty much what we did with um, Loretta in episode one, we're going to be talking about your testimony, where God <laughs> brought you from. Um, so however you want to start, you can sure. go ahead. Uh, so I guess let's start from the top then, right? Okay. So originally I uh, grew up in a Catholic family. That's how I started off. And, you know, we weren't really uh, devoted Catholics. We were just kind of those Catholics that said we were Catholic to have the title. Mm-hmm. But uh, we did go through the whole, you know, getting baptized as a baby, doing all those kind of events because those are almost just kind of like a showing. Like, oh, you have to do those. Yeah. Um, I went through and did uh, my first, not confirmation, but um, I think they call it, no, I think it's, uh, well, it's like where you you finally get to take of the, uh, your first communion. communion. Yeah, your first communion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you actually have to go to school for that. And uh, you you take like a few classes here and there as a little kid. I I failed, actually. I didn't even know. (laughs) I didn't even know you could do that. But I just, I wasn't really in it. You know, it wasn't really like in my household. So I I didn't really take it serious. I didn't really know what it was. I just knew I had to be able to recite the Our Father to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And even with that, I struggled. And uh, so kind of got, I got through that and I, it was around like the age of like 13 to 14 that they actually started needing more help. And so uh, my dad volunteered me against my will to be a uh, <laughs> altar server. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I was, you know, helping out the, I guess what you'd call a pastor, but they'd call father. Mm-hmm. I was helping him out. Uh, and so, of course, I was learning more about the Catholic faith in that time, and then I was getting more prepped to do the uh, first, your confirmation, where you kind of, um, I guess, give a confirmance to the church that you're part mm-hmm. of it, you kind of step into, like, adulthood, and you go into those camps. Um, but as I was going through that, I remember going to what they call a, a confession. Um, and so, for those of you who don't know, a confession is basically you go with the Father, uh, the pastor of that church, and you go and you confess your sins to him. And I get where they're coming from with that, because in the Bible it does say, you know, hey, confess your sins to one another, mm-hmm. you know, to help you out. But I don't think it means to like a random stranger. It's definitely maybe more so to somebody uh, like a close friend, a confidant, because you could always just confess your sins to God mm-hmm. directly. And so um, I was always going on Saturdays because, you know, I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do Monday through Friday. Yeah. And I was going Saturday nights too. Just so I could do all that. And then, you know, by Sunday, I'm an angel. I'm a saint. <laughs> I can take a communion. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And uh, one one particular Saturday, I remember going in and I was always saying the same things. Asking him to forgive me of this, this, and that. And normally it was always the, all right, hey, three Hail Marys, one Our Father, and you're good to go. You're forgiven of your sins. It was like that. Well, this, this go around, he didn't want to forgive me. He was like, no, you've, you've done this too many times. I don't forgive you for this. What? And so that, that, caught, that caught me by surprise, and I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. So I kind of uh, gave up on the faith right there and then, just because I was like, I, was, I would do a smell test with everything. You know, it just didn't make yeah. sense to me that, you know, I can't be forgiven. So I was like, yeah. well, what do I do now? So, And I mean, especially for somebody who, like another imperfect human which you know i don't know very much about the catholic faith but you know we're none of us are perfect but for another imperfect human to be like actually no i'm deciding that you don't get to be forgiven today that would definitely i mean that would cause it would raise a red flag for me because yeah exactly <laughs> and especially so. as a kid i mean you're still pretty young 13 14 is like very impressionable and like that can yeah that's interesting yeah, exactly. So that's, that's essentially what it was. It raised a red flag and I started just, maybe this is not really, you know, what I should be following. And, you know, they don't really instill many things like reading your Bible. I, at least I never heard it across the pulpit being preached. Um, and so, you know, I was already on that kind of teetering thing where my religion in my household uh, was not 
you know, so strong compared to like yours. Mm -hmm. So it was really easy to kind of step out. My parents weren't really going to say anything. And so uh, throughout about that time, when I was about 14 or 15, uh, my parents get divorced. So then it's even less of church because yeah. they're not going. They're just going through their own problems. And, you know, at this point, uh, you're at that age as a, as, a, as a guy where, you know, you kind of need your dad and your mom. Well, obviously you need them both all the time. Yeah. But it's like you're stepping into adulthood. You're in those of crucial course. kind of years where you need that, um, I guess, guidance, leadership of, a, of another man. And you don't really have that because, you know, my dad was just more focused on this. He was brought down. And so I thought, I was like, hey, I have to keep my head up. I have to make sure this doesn't affect me. So I, re I relied on sports and school. And so um, I, I, just, I just put my focus all on that. And I, I was really good uh, because of how much I devoted to it. And um, at this point, my mom wasn't really so much in the picture anymore. Not for her own fault, it was more so my dad, the way he painted it to us, was that it was her fault, she's the reason mm -hmm. that our family broke up, and so he made us like shun her away, and um, so we were only like listening to my dad at this point, living with him, and he didn't really know how to be a parent, he always mm -hmm. kind of relied on my mom to do that, so when it was up to him, he just kind of winged it, and you know, he wasn't the most, uh, I guess, you know, greatest of fathers, <laughs> you could say, you know, he... Um, wasn't really the I love you kind, pat you on the back, hey, you're doing great. It was just more so like, I guess he expected you to know that yeah. kind of deal. So we didn't really, I didn't really have a strong relationship with him. And my mom was out, uh, my poor mom. Um, little did I know, though, this, this thing was going to turn into something good because uh, it brought her to her knees and she was just so devastated because, you know, her children were away from her. They weren't having no kind of communication with her. So she actually started reaching out to... Um, Friends, friends started reaching out to her and got her going to church, oh, that's and that's kind of how this whole thing started. It was that was actually mm -hmm. the big turning point. But uh, before I go into that, so um, here I am, about 14, 15 years old, right? Uh, I don't have a really good family culture. It's it's broken up. I don't have a really good relationship with my dad. Mm -hmm. um, he's not anything that I would see like on TV or my friends, and yeah. so. You know, you're kind of bummed out about that. He would never go to, like, my track meets, nothing kind of like, you know, he just wasn't that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. um, and so here you are, here I am, 15, 14, 15, you know, looking for a place to belong. Like, where, yeah. where do I belong? Uh, looking for a, a, a place where I could call home. Looking for, like, a family kind of unit. Yeah. And so I, I start getting into that with my friends, you know, and... Of course, they're always the bad influence. Yeah, definitely. I mean, high school guys are, I can't say much about them except for my limited experience. But I, I mean, I've heard that from so many people, whether it's from my brothers, because I have three brothers and no sisters. So I grew up all around guys and my mom was kind of like my, my tie. And then of course I had good, um, like girlfriends in high school and growing up. But yeah, they're. I've just kind of seen throughout my family and even like the close guy friends that I had, there's just, there's like a dynamic and a relationship that guys have with each other when they're friends and like their close friend group. And a lot of times it can be really, you know, like if they have the right standards or they have, yeah. you know, like if they're the right group of friends, it can really make the biggest difference in like that turning point of your life. Those couple of years where a lot of things are defined for you and your perspective and your character is kind of being shaped. Um, and so I definitely, I mean, those people make a big difference. And if you, especially somebody who's kind of vulnerable and wanting that family unit and wanting to just be like close and feel a connection with people because you don't really feel that from, you know, your family or whoever it is. Like if you're not really feeling that with friends, you want it with your family or your church body or whoever can give it to you. It's definitely, I mean, it, it probably brings you to do you know, things that you wouldn't be willing to do under other circumstances. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, and, and that's just kind of is you kind of just take whatever is kind of handed to you at the first sign of somebody just showing you some kind of love. You take mm -hmm. it. You don't care who it is, who it's coming from. You just you hang on to it and you don't want to let go. Yeah. And so, um, of course, you know, they weren't the greatest group of friends. And I started, you know, started to act out. You know, I started um, experiencing for the first time with drugs you know, alcohol, getting into the party scene. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I didn't, I couldn't say that, like, I cared for it too much, but because it helped me bond with them, yeah, 
it um I, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind mm-hmm. doing it. And then I ended up liking doing it. So then then that changed a lot of the perspective. And then so here I am, I start heading down the wrong path. I get mm-hmm. kicked out of sports. Um, and so now I've lost my identity because mm-hmm. for so long, all I was trying to focus on was school and sports. Yeah. So now that I didn't have sports and I wasn't this good athlete anymore, I, um, I just, I was even more lost and just even more so dependent on, you know, my friends and just mm-hmm. whatever was coming my way. Um, but I, I did, I did know that there was a God. Mm-hmm. So that did at least lead me to go and um, learn about other faiths. And at, at this point, you know, so I was I was starting to go out there, but I said, you know what, let me at least give, uh, you know, faith some, you know, God a chance mm-hmm. and hearing that. And so I came across some uh, friends that were uh, Mormons, you know, and just like any, I guess, religion, you could say, when you first meet them, they always come off super great. Like, hey, yeah. we pray, <laughs> we read the Bible. You know, we do, and so you think like, oh wow, these are really good people. And especially coming, like I said, from my limited exposure to the Catholic Church, where no one's really praying, no one really has Mm -hmm. any kind of connection reading the Bible. You think these people are—they're the, you know, the bees and knees. They got it going on. (laughs) They know, they know what's up with God. And so I I start, you know, inclining my ear to listen to what they got to say. Um, But just, just the same thing, uh, like with the Catholic Church, I kind of did like a smell check, and I started seeing some red flags. Um, I never understood why they had golden tablets or devil, the devil and Jesus being brothers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that, that just kind of like, was like, nah, I don't think that makes sense to me. So I just, I just kept on searching, kept on searching. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's a personal thing for everybody and we all have our own walk and our own way of, you know, really finding God and yeah, it's definitely, I mean, we even me as a kid, I was, I grew up in the Mormon faith, of course, but I had attended church with like multiple of my friends, just even, I mean, some of it was just through circumstance. Like I had spent the night with a couple friends on like a Saturday night. And then I didn't really want to like wake up early enough to go all the way back to wherever my house was and then go to church with my family. So I went to church with my friends. So I had attended, like by the time I had graduated high school, I had attended like Baptist services and Catholic services. I remember like they were having communion and I was so confused and a little bit nervous about (laughs) what I should be doing. Like I was just kind of like talking to my friend. I was like, hey, so, you know, I've never really done this. I've never experienced this. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And she's like, you just go up there. They're going to pray for you. You don't take communion. It's going to be okay. You go back and sit down. And so, and I mean, at that age, you are, you're curious and you kind of, that's kind of the point, at least for me, where you kind of start to feel out. You're like, okay, this is what I've been raised in, or this is what my parents and my family have been believing or even not believing in your case. Like if they're not devout any certain religion, you're just kind of like, I'm getting to the point where I'm a little bit curious for myself and I want to go look at other things. So I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So it was was a funny time. Um, but I I did, I did appreciate the learning aspect of it. I mean, I did, um, you know, read the book of Mormon some and, um, so, I mean, at least I got some exposure to it. I can't, mm-hmm. I never experience this happens for a reason, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then, so, at this point in my life now, I'm still in high school, by the way, of course. I think I'm still, like, this is the age group between 16 to 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I meet my first Muslim friend. And, you know, I didn't even know they existed in Houston. I just, I didn't. <laughs> like, is that a thing? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I was like, what, what are you? Like, where are you from? I was like, I thought you were, you know, Hispanic. But no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that changed my um, my whole world up. And they ended up being, you know, those other kind of really good friends. Just, of course, uh, you know, not not the best of, um, what is, what would you call it? Influences. Uh, influences. Yeah. yeah. Not the best of influences, but really great <laughs> friends. And so, of course, you know, here I am, you know, looking for that family unit, uh, looking for love. And these guys just, you, you listen to what they say. Hey, we pray five times a day. Mm-hmm. So that you, you think like, oh, they have to be great people if they're praying that many times. They fast. Um, they go to their service and this and that. So you start uh, you start getting exposure to that kind of, a, a new kind of um, religion. And so I, um, I, I just was, was, was okay to learn because I was curious. I was like, well, maybe they, maybe they do got it. Maybe they do know what's right. And 
And then I started meeting more and more of their people. And I came across a, um, one of their friends of friends, which ended up being a girl uh, who I really liked. <laughs> and so um, that kind of is what drew me into mm-hmm. it because in their faith, they don't believe that uh, the man can be of a different faith because they, they realize like the influence a man has on the woman. Mm-hmm. So they're okay if the man dates outside of the religion, but they're not okay with the woman dating outside of the religion. Mm-hmm. So at this point I was like, well, you know, uh, we had already been talking for a while, you know, I'd been courting her and I was like, yeah, I don't mind, you know, being Muslim, you know, if that's what it means to go out. Like, <laughs> that's yeah, what it takes, I'll do it. I'll do it, yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, it's not a bad thing. What do I got to do? Yeah. You know, it was with that kind of deal because I wasn't committed to any kind mm-hmm. of, you know, faith. I had no ties and I was okay doing it. So um, I ended up going uh, before like maybe four or 500 people and they were taking it very seriously. They were like, I, I, I get on the newspapers, on their newspapers, oh. like, this uh, Mexican guy converting into Islam and all this kind of deal. It was like a big deal because uh-huh. I just hadn't, they didn't have too many converts, I guess. And here I was just, you know, taking it as a, well, I'm just doing it, you know, for my girlfriend and that mm-hmm. kind of deal. So her parents wouldn't give her, you know. Any grief. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that that's something that a lot of people experience. I mean, that's something I experienced and I didn't, I don't want to give people the wrong impression. I definitely didn't choose the faith that I am now because of um, Richard or because of a guy. But I think that's a, a common thing. Like, that's something that we kind of instill in children that, you know, this is the way we live. And kind of like, if this is the faith that you're going to choose when you're at this turning point, when you're kind of sending out the feels and figuring out whether this is what you're going to stick with or if something else feels right for you. Um, that a lot of parents and I hear a lot of like counselors and therapists say very similar things that, you know, if you choose to marry a partner who is not of the same faith of you, that causes a lot of marital issues. Even if, I mean, you know, you can always think on the best case scenario of, um, you know, well, at least we still both believe in God, or at least we still both pray or whatever. But ultimately I think that really does make a big difference in any kind of relationship that you have, whether that's friends or girlfriend, boyfriend, or wife or spouse or children. Um, and it's definitely, I mean, it's hard when you're at that age and you are wanting to love somebody, you're wanting to be loved by somebody and you find somebody you really like, and you're just kind of like, yeah, okay. I mean, why not? I, you know, you want that connection. I talked about that a little bit in episode one with Loretta. Like, you just want that connection. We as human beings, as exactly. finite beings, just belong. crave that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely one of those um, human desires. It's part of mm-hmm. our makeup that we want somewhere to belong. Mm-hmm. We want to be included in some. You know, that, that's just what, that's just how, it's human nature for you. Yeah. Right? It's the psychology of uh, man and woman. And, um, I wanted to tell you to, you know, don't take it as a notch. Just being somebody in your shoes, I get it. You know, hey, you switched faiths. Um, never take it as a notch down because, you know, that that was just the medium that mm-hmm. God used, the vehicle that God used uh, to get you there. And to me personally, I don't care what he uses to get me, you know, yeah. to, where, to, hit, to where he's at. Like, I'll take whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing um, Sister Bourne's testimony one time, and it was super powerful to me. It inspired me. Um, I remember her saying that you know, there was a point in her life, I think it was a little bit after her divorce, that um, you know, she was in a really broken place and maybe she wasn't you know, going to church for whatever the reasons were that mm-hmm. everyone would have assumed, but you know, that's, what, that's what got her there. Yeah. Um, um, and so I was like, wow, you know, that's true. You know, God can use whatever kind of situation, whatever kind of thing to get you there. And it's like, who cares at the end of the day? It's like, yeah. now look at you now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's the important part is... Yeah, and I mean, I in the beginning, that really used to kind of bother me. Like, people would joke about, yeah, Richard flirted to convert. <laughs> and I was like, you know, at some part of me didn't really care because I was like, I found God. I found Jesus. Like, I'm great. But there was always this little part of it that bothered me. And then finally, it wasn't until honestly, like, probably a month ago or so, or very recently within 2020, that God kind of gave me the revelation. He was like, you know what? You did choose to live this way because you fell in love but he's like you fell in love with me because that's what Richard had Richard showed you my love because he had that love and like Richard being able to give you a love that you had never experienced being able to show you 
you know, the truth being able to show you this is how God really loves people through somebody. Um, that was really, I mean, that's the truth of what happened is I did switch face because I fell in love, but it was because I fell in love with the one true God and I'm not embarrassed and I shouldn't be concerned about what anybody else thinks about that because it's, I mean, it brought me where I am and I wouldn't change anything that happened about what happened to God bringing me where I am now. And I'm sure there are things that will come that other people might laugh at or think I should be embarrassed about, but you're exactly right. I mean, every one of our walks, there's things that happen for a purpose and for his plan. And I'm just going to take it all. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Yeah, we all have different paths in how, of our beginnings and comings. So I'm dating this uh, Muslim girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I, I start to say, I guess, you know, every kid says, I fall in love, mm-hmm. right? And I look at it like, yeah, I'd marry this girl. You know, I was getting, at least in my head, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking in high school, could you really, I don't know. Maybe yeah. you do know about it. Who Th- knows? That happens yeah. all the time in high school. <laughs> right. And uh, because I was still you know, in this bad influence of friends and, you know, going out and doing the partying thing, you know, doing drugs, drinking, it started to just show outwardly. I started Mm -hmm. getting in trouble at school. um, And this one particular incident, I had sold drugs to this kid and he uh, passed out in school. And they traced everything back to us, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, this, of course, falls back on her because they knew I was dating her, and so it started. It started causing tension. She started seeing, okay, you know, he, he's a good guy, but he's got all these mm-hmm. bad flaws about them. So she breaks up with me, and so here I am. I'm still Muslim, and I'm like, well, what do I do? You know, um, I got. I can't. Uh, I can't lose face. Mm-hmm. So I say, I, I'm. I'm still Muslim, and I pretty much do it as a pride thing to say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, I didn't do it for her. It, yeah. You know, yeah, I yep. think you could understand this. You know what I mean? And so, because um, everyone was like, oh, you're gonna probably convert back right and I was like no no, no I, I did it because you know I, I, I love the faith yeah and so I, I end up just going through the motions of it um I'm not really fully committed to the Islamic faith at this point but I have built very strong bonds with a lot of uh, Muslim friends and they end up actually becoming my best friends mm-hmm. and so we end up hanging out together you know eating together going out together doing all these things and I, uh, you know, start falling more further into doing drugs, more alcohol, the club scene. So, quick question. I don't know very much about um, the Muslim or Islamic faith, but I can imagine that even, like, that side of people's lifestyles, like, if that's something you're choosing to do, like, clubs and alcohol and drugs, like, how did that really work with your faith? Or how do they, like, do they teach you about what they believe is right or like do you have a repentance process for that like how did that really tie into what you were currently practicing religiously good, uh, good question yeah so i i was a, i was a bad muslim yeah, i was a bad <laughs> okay. muslim at this point um and, and it was it was kind of almost um I remember hearing this from one of the uh, preachers there because we we started uh once once i converted i got really close to uh, a preacher there and um, he was close to my friend in high school. So we all started really talking. He's like, hey man, the enemy's gonna fight you really strong. So if you end up falling into these things, don't feel bad. Mm-hmm. And so I almost use that as my fail safe that I, uh, gotcha. oh, I'm falling into these things because I'm being fought on by the devil. Mm-hmm. I, but of course they're not cool with doing drugs. They're not cool with going, you know, drink. They're, drinking is like really bad for them. Okay. That's like a big major sin. Um, they don't really mention anything about clubbing, but of course it's not like the ideal yeah, spot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, so uh, very, very similar things as to what's bad, what's good uh, in the Christian faith mm-hmm. with the Islamic faith. Um, but I just, I just wasn't, like I said, committed at this point. I was still a bad Muslim, but um, I was just keeping up with uh, the crowd, like yeah. learning people's names. Putting on the face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if they didn't know that I was doing it, they still thought I was a good guy. Yeah. But then... I um I actually get this wild idea of like oh well, let me get, get off the drugs for a little bit you know I think that is taking me down down the bad path, um but um as you know right when you get rid of something when you release it from you know yourself your spirit other things want to come back in mm-hmm. and if you don't fill that place that void with something good it does lead to other bad stuff. Yep. So then I got into, you know, like, well, let me try to stealing. I had never stolen my entire life. And the first time I tried stealing, I get caught. 
That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, and, it, and it is it's just, I was like, man, I knew I shouldn't have done this. Why, why did I give up drugs? I, I was, I was, <laughs> Let me go back. No. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and so I get caught, and it's my friend and I. And so we're outside. I just won't, I won't name the place, but we get caught stealing, and the guy's like, hey, well, you know, you want to return what you stole? And we're just looking at each other like, okay, sure, I guess. But then he's like, you got, you got to come inside with me, though, and talk to me. We're like, Mm, I don't know about that because we knew where that was going. The cops are going to get involved. Mm-hmm. So my friend and I just look at each other and I go and I punch the guy. I punch the guy. He takes one way. I go the other way. You know, my friend have just split up. For some reason, I didn't have a phone. So I end up like stopping somewhere to make a call and the cops catch up to me and I go to jail. Wow. Yeah. So, so here I am now. I'm this kid, still in high school, by the way. And I had yeah. to miss school because I spent the night in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just just to give you a, even more of a I guess detailed thing. So I'm, at this point, I'm not a, a citizen or a U.S. resident by any mm-hmm. means or any of that point. All that was still getting in the process. Okay. So uh, I'm in jail. Uh, I spent the night in county jail, then I get transferred to um, the actual jail in in Houston downtown, yeah. where you see you know older people and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. Oh, so yeah, and your dad at this point, he's still just kind of like not really paying attention or not really, you know, like what was happening in terms of like, like was anybody going to be concerned that you were in jail or you were just kind of like, <laughs> well, I'm here, I got to yeah. wait until I get out because, I mean, you're still a, a juvenile, Correct. so you're not legally responsible for yourself. Yeah, Um. so the only reason they find out is I had some paper on me that had uh, a friend's a friend of the family's address and like phone number or something for whatever mm-hmm. reason and they called them because that's the oh, only kind okay. of identification I had on myself like I said I'm, I'm not yeah, wasn't a, you wouldn't have a I wouldn't have a license, license or yeah. anything like that because I wasn't a, a US citizen or resident or anything like that mm-hmm. so they call her they call my parents and that's how they find out but you know like I said my mom not being really in the picture because my dad is kind of you know painted it at least to us that yeah she's you know the reason we're not here so we I didn't really have too much communication with her my dad obviously not really caring because I wouldn't be in all these things if I had yeah. you know, really <laughs> caring or involved yes that's a good point yeah but uh so they call them and they're of course worried out of their mind they're like oh, we don't know what's gonna happen you know is he gonna get deported because you know that is a very uh it's a real possibility it's a real possibility that it could happen um even though I was you know, I think I was uh, 17 at this point so I was a little bit older, but so I do, I, okay, so I, I try to get transferred over to the, um, I guess to the county jail, to the, I guess city jail. Yeah, the downtown jail. Yeah, I wouldn't know what it jail. was called either, but yeah, <laughs> the one downtown that we all know what it looks like. <laughs> and so um, at this point, it's like, it's gotten real to me. It's hit me that, oh my gosh, here I am. I don't think I was meant to be here. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm here with all these people. Uh, I just I knew I didn't belong here and I couldn't hit I couldn't believe that I've hit like this low yeah um but at the same time you just kind of have to just keep your guard up because you know you don't want to get beat up yeah you're in jail yeah, so you're, in jail, you're around all these rough people and they're older than you but so you just mm-hmm. got to stand your ground so you don't really have time to process all those kinds of things but as you're going through um and you know I didn't make it far into it I only stayed like I yeah. said like part of the night at the county jail then I'm over here transferred in total I think I was in jail for about a day and a half Okay. So yeah. not that long. Um, but I start, we started getting transferred from pod to pod to pod, and they're just moving us. I, I guess that's just the process before they actually book you and put you into an mm-hmm. actual cell. Um, and I get to this point where we come before like the, a virtual judge. Like He appears on the screen, and he kind of starts going over you know, your crime you committed, mm-hmm. what, you're getting, what you're in jail for. And I start seeing people go one way, start people going the other way. Well, when they got to me... They said, you know, there's no record of information over this guy. And then so then I get sent to this other uh, cell. And I realized that everyone in there is Hispanic. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, at first I was like, it was just a coincidence. But then I see everyone and I see their countenance and I see that everyone's really sad. I started seeing that they're crying. And at this point, um, I'm able to communicate with my parents. I was able to give them a call and they start telling me that it's a real possibility I could get deported. So I, they start preparing things for me back in Mexico, just in case that thing mm-hmm. is. And then I start looking around. It's like it hits me. It's like, oh my gosh, I could get deported, and yeah. it could happen right now. <laughs> my life is potentially yeah. over. It's potentially yeah. over here, in, you know, in America. And 
I, I didn't know what to do. You know, all the emotions were hitting me all at once. I didn't want to cry because, again, I was in jail. Um, but but I was scared. I was scared. And, you know, of course, my parents were scared. They're like, we got, we got to do whatever it takes. He's like, they're not letting us bail you out at this point. But we're, we're still trying. We're still trying here and this. And then um, all of a sudden, this cop, he, he comes in. He calls me by my name. And he's like, step out with me real quick. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And, and he just just starts talking to me he's like how old are you I'm like 17 he's like why would you try stealing from those kind of places like you know they have I mean anytime you steal for a place that has technology they're gonna have the best kind of technology out there best cameras (laughs) all the security yeah exactly I'm like you're such a dumb kid he's like why would you even do that he's like and then he said something he says you know I don't know why I'm doing this but I'm gonna let you go I'm gonna let your parents bail you out he's like but I better never see you ever here again or I'm gonna be the first one to deport you I didn't really know what that meant at that point. You know, I didn't really think that it was God stepping in for me. Yeah. But uh, looking back, of course, I know it was him giving me a chance, yeah. saying, you know what, not right now. You know, he's still got more to do. So um, here I am. Okay, I know that I'm going to get bailed out because they, they know that um, I know that my parents were able to, you know, get through, at least according to the cop. And then sure yeah. enough, later out throughout the night, they, they allowed me to get bailed out. And so I'm out of jail. I'm so thankful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can eat because mm-hmm. you know, they they feed you, but it's you know not good. Well, and I'm sure in that emotional state, you're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't really feel like eating though, and you're just, I mean, I can imagine your body's kind of like in shock mode. So exactly, yeah, you're, you're hungry. Surviving. Yeah, of course. So I remember eating McDonald's as my first meal out. <laughs> Whew, I'm glad. Golden arches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so now I'm having to deal with the whole legal process of it that, mm-hmm. all right, hey, you know, I'm out of jail, but I still have to go to court to get this thing resolved. Um, and yeah, so I go back to school and just, I guess things just go back to being normal for a while. I, I of course, go through the motions where like, okay, I'm not going to do anything bad because I just realized what happened. Mm-hmm. And that lasts about, you know, a month or two. And then you just kind of go back to like, well, you know, I, I guess I couldn't, yeah. uh, it's not going to hurt me to do, you know, smoke one blunt, mm-hmm. you know, drink a little bit. As long as, you know, I'm not doing anything stupid like stealing anymore. Yeah. Then I'll be fine. Um, and at this point, I think I have my first meeting with a lawyer. I ended up getting a lawyer because uh, my parents are like, no, we have to get a lawyer, you know, make sure that whatever we can do to, uh, you know, fix this, we're going to do that. And he tells me, hey, you got to be able to pass a drug test. I'm like, what? Why? I didn't get caught for drugs. <laughs> yeah. He's uh-huh. like, well, most people that steal are on drugs. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that might be. That, yeah. that might, there might be a correlation there. Yeah, yeah. And literally maybe a week after that, I uh, go to jail again for drugs wow. this time. Yeah. So was it like, like, did you immediately have to take a drug test? Or how did that, like, because I assume if your lawyer told you, you could have theoretically prepared for that right. test but so um at that meeting that we went because we, we did go to court and it was like well if you can't pass a drug test like right now we're gonna reschedule and so there was okay. a bunch of rescheduling like the first rescheduling we did i think just because he said that's just the way it goes it's kind of like the technique or okay just the nature of the game the second one we, we had to reschedule because i couldn't pass a drug test so you know we already rescheduled and like i said as this time passed by I end up just going back to the way things were, mm-hmm. and I uh, I got really really high this this one day, and for some reason I end up being at a gas station, and I'm just out of my mind, you know, drugged out, uh, and it's I think it's like ten o'clock at night, and I'm looking really suspicious. Mm-hmm. I have a hoodie on with sunglasses and shorts. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it's, it's ten o'clock mm-hmm. at night, so. And I've, to me, what seems like five minutes or ten minutes ends up being like 40 minutes that I'm just standing there wow. looking at whatever I was looking at in the grass station. So the guy calls the cops right away. And obviously they, they see the state that I'm in mm-hmm. and I had drugs on me. So they, they take me, I'm in jail again for drugs. And at this point, I was just really high, so I didn't really know anything. I couldn't process anything. I was just very tired at this point. Yeah. Um, thankfully, my parents were contacted right away so instead of uh same process i went to county jail but before i even got transferred to the actual city jail which mm-hmm. if i would have met that cop again i would have got deported yeah. uh they bailed me out right then and there so um that was really the only reason i did not get deported was because 
I, I got bailed out at the county jail. Yeah. Um, and it just it just wasn't real for me. Uh, at this point, I guess I was just looking at it like, oh, well, you know, this is kind of what happens. But I, I was, of course, I was thankful that you know my parents didn't. I know they didn't really have that much money, and so I, I did I did like see that part mm-hmm. of it, the aspect of it, the financial stress that that was causing. Um, but you're I was so very selfish at that point too. Mm-hmm. You're just thinking about yourself. Um, it's kind of the only way I knew to live and survive during this whole time. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure your kind of sense and grasp of reality was really altered at this point because you had already kind of, I mean, you experienced this kind of extreme high of relief and thankfulness of like, oh, I missed something really big. Like I, you know, for whatever reason, I was spared from that. And you're just kind of like, I'm good. You know, how often can that really happen it's not likely that, you know, like if I don't steal, and I think that's that's a common perception among people that the enemy fights with, whether it's drugs or alcohol or anything that really kind of alters our mental state is like, well, if you just do a little, it's not really going to be that bad. It's yeah. not, it can't harm you that much. It can't lead to these serious consequences. And especially, I mean, I don't really remember at this time but you know in the past couple years we've had lots of states legalizing marijuana and legalizing other um, recreational drugs so even like as a national and a global perspective it's kind of just being normalized that like this really isn't that big of a deal so even in a state where it was still illegal you're just kind of like well everybody else has a relaxed perspective about it i'll be okay right i'm a young kid and then you uh, you look at weed and it's like, well, God made it. You know, it yeah. comes from the earth. You <laughs> it know? came from the earth. It's natural. <laughs> you, you have those kind of friends that put those bug mm-hmm. in your ears. And so you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. You know, it's a plant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that's just that's just what was going on. Um, so at this point, I'm bailed out again. And now I'm even more in legal trouble because my lawyer's just like, man, you're really making it hard for yourself. I just, yeah. He's like, well, I don't know what we're going to like now that things, the technique has changed. We're going to have to go this route, this or that. And um, I just I'm like looking at it and I realize like, okay, I see what's going on. But I still I'm not, I I guess, that point where I want to change. Like I realize I've hit rock bottom and I want to change and I want to get out. But I just didn't know how Mm -hmm. I didn't know how. Um, And so then I was like, well, I, I need to turn to God. That's what it needs to be. Like I think that's what that's what'll do it. Um, and then so then I start you know going back into digging into my brain. Like okay, well wh- wh- where am I gonna go? I was like, well I left off as a Muslim, so let me try that. Mm-hmm. So that's where I go because that's that was my last recollection of you know where I was at spiritually. Yeah. So I was like, let me give this a shot and let me give it a good shot this time. And so this time I, I cleaned myself up. I got through the legal proceedings. Um, I ended up having to go to probation. Um, the judge said because I was still in high school that all I had to do instead of doing community service all I had to do was graduate oh. um, and you know high school was kind of a joke to me like I wasn't a dumb kid I was smart yeah. I just made really dumb decisions mm-hmm. um, so I, I was like okay cool not bad there and the probation was helping because it was um, pretty much forcing me to stay drug free so yeah. you know being forced to stay drug free I was able to give Islam a really good shot like a, my, mm-hmm. my full self devoted to it and so I started going to um, the service uh, every Friday night. You know, I started praying five times a day. Uh, I, was, I was even learning Arabic because you gotta know oh, Arabic to yeah. read the their book the called prayers. the Quran. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, since I didn't really know Arabic fully, I had to get the English version Quran. Mm-hmm. But I was starting to take it seriously. Yeah, um, and at this point, so are you just kind of sticking with your? Um, like the friends that are of the same faith as you or you're still because that I mean I know at least for me that is a big influence in my life still so you're trying to clean up does that mean you are no longer friends with the people who you were friends with who were kind of influencing you to do that like how do they take that because I'm sure I mean I would think it some degree that would be kind of a wake-up call to them of like oh jose got caught he went to jail twice like we might want to be a little bit more careful or was it just kind <laughs> of like nah, not really 
Um, I would say it was more of like, well, it's not happening to me, and you know, I just got to make sure I don't go like Jose. Yeah. You know what okay. I mean? I, I don't take it to that extreme. But I would say that the, the friends that were in the same faith as me, because mm-hmm. I mean, they, they weren't the only friends that I had. Um, my of mother's friends, I just had all friends of all sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, no one is, I guess my friends weren't, because there were some kids that were really committed to their faith. And, mm-hmm. you know, you did see Christian groups and all that in high school. But at least the friends that I had, they didn't really have any true commitments or ties to like anything uh, spiritual so they were okay with being friends of all faiths and mm-hmm. just kind of just like oh cool you're doing that no worries it was like wasn't like they were trying to reach out to me like hey you need to join you know you yeah. need to learn about jesus um but the friends that were muslim they actually did they were impressed by that they they, they started taking things more seriously too so it was like it left off a good impression and they were like well we're not gonna let you go through this alone let's start going to you know uh, i want to call it church but it was like to the mosque yeah, yeah to the mosque uh-huh. let's go to the mosque on you know let's go together let's try to take this seriously let's do it and and this was going on for a solid maybe like six seven eight months almost a year um i even fasted during ramadan like i, I was i was doing you know dotting all the eyes crossing all my mm-hmm. t's i was doing everything right going to all the events learning um and just wanting to you know get closer to my creator and I, re- I remember at this one point where I, c- I come, what is it? I remember this one one day that the preacher that I become good friends with, he says, hey, you know what, man, tomorrow we're going to have a secret meeting. And it's not everyone's going to be invited, but you are. And um, and I'll tell you why later. Uh, no, oh, go ahead. And, and, good. and so um, I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird, mm-hmm. but okay, cool. <laughs> And it ends up being just like the most devout people in in, in that mosque mm-hmm. that end up gathering with this one gentleman. And he was actually white. He was a convert like me. And that's why they were like, you got to meet this guy. You got to meet this mm-hmm. guy. Um, and so what he started talking to us about, it, it was going to be basically like Islam to the new level, like where we were devout soldiers, almost like accelerated. Ex- exactly. Like um, I, 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 want, I may be labeling it wrong, but it was jihad. Where basically, you know, you're, you're those guys that if um, they call you to be a suicide bomber, you can do it. That kind of deal. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, for in the Islamic faith, uh, being a martyr and, you know, dying for God, even if it is uh, by your own self, mm-hmm. that's, that's what glorifies you and takes you to heaven automatically. Oh, okay. uh, instead of, you know, how we look at it, that Jesus died for us and we don't no longer need to die. But if yeah. we do for his glory... You know, but they, they just look at it like that, like self-sacrifice at the almost degree, even suicide. You, you know, wow. you're going okay. to heaven. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're okay with doing the whole bombing thing, because they honestly think they they're think going to heaven. They'll be saved. Yeah. yeah. And so we were getting to that point of commitment where, like, let's see who the true soldiers are in this. Like, let's see who's really devout. Mm-hmm. And they saw that in me. They're like, this guy's devout. Like, let's get him in to our secret meetings. So like, this is what we got to start doing. We got to start praying more. Like, at night, you're going to be praying for, like, two to three hours. Um longer than you would and so i was like okay all right that that works what does prayer look like for them or for you at that time because i know for me before i became apostolic it was like praying for two or three hours would be near impossible like i just didn't you know that's (laughs) that's why we have the holy ghost because my i intellectually don't have all the words that I would need to say or that I should say. So is it all like scripted prayers mm-hmm. or how does how does that work? Like how would you pray sure. for two to three hours? So um, I'll start first with the, the five prayers that they do a day. It's, okay. it's literally one recited prayer. It'd be the equivalent of like our father. Okay. And so um, they just pray literally the, our, the equivalent of our father, mm-hmm. right? Five times a day and that that's it. So okay. it's a very short, you, you still go to the mosque or you do it, you know, in a room facing the east. But um, that's what you do for that five times a day prayer. But the two to three o'clock prayer, you're you are repenting. You're asking God for forgiveness, and you're just you're just trying to talk to Him to reach out mm-hmm. to Him to get Him to talk to you. Um, and this is only done by the elite or the most about like do do. I don't want to say traditional, but I don't know how else to put it. Like, would your average everyday muslim be praying two to three hours a day for mm. repentance and forgiveness at least just in your experience i'm sure no, things not, could be a little bit different not, not that i would hear of you know like okay. anybody else would do the, the main thing was that hey, you prayed your five times a day and now you're a golden if you did that yeah. okay you know doing this extra work 
um, it would be more so like maybe the preacher, the the head guy, you know, so that um, I, I didn't really look too much into the hierarchy because when I started getting more deep into it, that's when God mm-hmm. started calling me to get out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, obviously the, the higher you, higher, the hierarchy of it, the higher you go, I assume those guys are for sure. Yeah. And so it was in that time and it was in that late, those late hours of praying, you know, trying, calling out to Allah, you know, wanting to know my creator, meet him, you know, earnestly wanting to understand him and him to me and have that kind of relationship um and it just didn't happen you know of course mm-hmm. you're praying to a false god you're never going to hear anything mm-hmm. you're not going to hear anything well you're you, not going to hear what you want what yeah. you're really yeah. wanting yeah what like what your spirit is asking for you can't get that from anybody else but the one true god so yeah exactly and so i started getting down i started getting down because here i was you know pouring my heart out night mm-hmm. after night just earnestly just yearning out for my creator and nothing i would just hear nothing um, and I was feeling empty and, again, lost. I just, I didn't know. And it started to raise another red flag. I was like, I don't even know. And at this point, now I'm in college. Um, and I end up running into a friend. You know, a friend in college that uh, started telling me about Jesus. You know, And I knew this friend before, uh, before they came to Christ, too. Uh, so they uh, hearing them in their testimony was pretty encouraging. Like, oh, cool, you know, you're learning things about God too. You know, hey, look at me, you know, me too. Uh, you know, I'm Muslim now. We're trying to do these things, mm-hmm. and so obviously to them, they they hear me, but they're like, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, I know, I know what you're talking um, about. And so instantly, they they of course, since they are, you know, in the things of the Lord, they 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 start, you know, inviting me out. Like, hey, do you want to hear about Jesus? This and that. I'm like, well, you know, I do recognize Jesus. He is a prophet because in the Islamic faith, they do recognize. Jesus they just look at him as a prophet uh, they do look at him though as the only one who will come back on um, the day of redemption like how it uh, talks about in the day of revelation mm-hmm. how he will be the one coming back they do actually recognize that he's the one that's going to do that and not their okay. own prophet um, Muhammad so I was like that's interesting mm-hmm. you know? yeah <laughs> um, but um, so they start reaching out to me and they invite me out to their uh, church, but I never go, of course. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you know. And then we end up coming to the, let's start a bet. Like, all right, you know, because of course at this point too, like I want to share what I got going on mm-hmm. to them. You know, I want to share the goodness of Islam and all that. And so we start a bet. We're like, all right, let's see who can convert each other. <laughs> you know, like, let's start this bet. Let's see who converts who. Okay. And we'll just drop knowledge on each other because mm-hmm. we were both, um, you know, I can't say I wasn't the most knowledgeable, but we were pretty knowledgeable. So we're like, okay, da 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 da. Here. Yeah, you knew this. enough that you felt confident enough to, to make share. a bet with somebody. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, I lost that bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, Thank you, uh, Jesus. Yeah, but for a good cause, right? For a good mm-hmm. reason. Um, and so. I still wouldn't go to any events, but eventually they were like, well, you know, just come out to eat with us. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to go to any of our events. And so I was like, okay, sure, I can do that. We can go out to eat. There's nothing wrong with that. But they just kept pressing on me and pressing on me and pressing on me. And again, I was saying, like, I wasn't hearing really nothing from my creator. And I was like, well, you're always hearing from yours. So, like, yeah. what's the deal? You know, like, what are you doing that I'm not? They're like, are you praying? Like, yeah. And they're like, well, what, well how are you praying? And then I tell them, and they're like, well, we just pray, try praying in Jesus' name. You know, try try calling out to him. And I had heard it once, and I was like, mm, nah, I just didn't feel right because I was so committed to this. I was like, yeah. I, I'm, I feel like I'm betraying, you know, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we, we think, like, oh, we all have the same God. That's kind of like the whole notion. It's like, it's the yeah. same God. It's the same God. But it's not, you know. Yeah. It's definitely not. Uh, and so, finally, I got to a breaking point. I was like, all right, fine. I'll try praying in Jesus' name. Like, mm-hmm. I'll do it, you know, just to see if it works. I'll see, I'll see, I'll give it a shot. And uh, at this point, where am I? I'm at a friend's house. I'm at a friend's house, and they shoot me a text, and they're like, just try praying in Jesus' name. You know, of course, they're reaching mm-hmm. out for it. I'm like, fine, I'll do it. So I, I ask, like, I just go to my friend's closet, and I pray in Jesus' name. I say, Jesus, if you're real, you know, show to me that you're really God. And he instantly answers me. He oh. instantly answers me, and he starts telling me all these things, and I start hearing from him, and it, it just, he, like, opens my eyes, and he, like, um, it's kind of like uh, what happened to Saul when the scales finally came mm-hmm. off, and I was able to finally see, like, I wasn't blinded anymore by all this falseness. I, I really saw who the true God was. I saw instantly, like, uh, what came to me was uh, him on a cross. Yeah. And I saw, he's like, you know, I died for you. You know, I did this for you, and... 
I just I started feeling so sad and and I realized that you know man here I am worshiping this false god and and Jesus died for me over here like how can I not you know want to be with him and given that he had answered me almost in a audible voice I could say at least in my mind and in that yeah. where I was at in that closet it sounded so loud and he started showing me that hey you were only in this faith because of your pride you didn't want to get out uh, because your girlfriend broke up with you and this mm-hmm. and you this is not really the way the truth of it like, look at all the things in it you know is this really what you think it is and I, I it just all starts going back to me like everything I was reading I guess at that point because you're so blinded by it you don't start seeing the negatives of it mm-hmm. but right then and then I would see that hey if um, I left the Islamic faith they would have all the legal right to kill me because you'd be going apostate and like do you think I do those kind of you know that's mm-hmm. not what I do like oh. and you know at that point I didn't know about the prodigal child story but then mm-hmm. I hear it on later on I'm like oh my god you know, <laughs> this is what he meant this is what yeah. he was telling me okay. in the closet um, and I just instantly get filled with his love. And for the first time, I uh, I feel something so real. Because outside of, you know, your parents' love, you know, I, I never experienced love. And so it was, I fell in love with Jesus for the, you know, he was my first love. He yeah. was the first, um, I don't want to say person because he's not like a person, yeah, but the, the first. Your I, first I, love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was my mm-hmm. first love. I had not loved a, a woman at that point. You know, I thought I did, but it, it was, he was it. He was it. Yeah. Um, and I just felt so close. I felt his embrace. I felt him hug me. I felt him, you know, say, here I am for you. I'm your dad. And, um, you know, not really having a dad, that just meant so much to me. Yeah. So so instantly I was like, I got to know more. I got to know more. So I, I reached out to that friend. And I told him it worked. You know, that thing worked. <laughs> and he responded. And um, I was like, I, I got to come to church with you. I got I to gotta read more. I got to know what's up. And, you know, they bought me my first Bible. I didn't have a Bible. Oh. I never read a Bible before. And I read it all like in a month or two just because I was so in love and so um, just wanting to know more. So every day I was just like reading my Bible, going through it. And I read the entire thing, like I said, about a month or and a half just because I was uh, yearning and just, mm-hmm. you know, eager to learn about his word. Yeah, I there is something so profound about the first moment that you really, truly feel God's love because you've had experiences in your life where either other people, you know, like if it's in a religious setting, people tell you, this is the peace of God. That's what that feels like. Or this is what the love of God feels like. And if that's what you're, if you've never experienced something and you're told that's what that is, it's like, what other option do you have than to believe it? Because you don't know any better. And it's kind of like when you come to that moment of truth and like you said like the scales being removed from your eyes it is truly almost indescribable like it is so personal for every person and it's such just like a beautiful amazing thing that God allows us to you know experience the things that aren't true and the unreal so that when we finally find what you know the Bible says that he places the hunger within us like he knows the desires of our hearts, but he ultimately is the one who places that hunger within us to know him because he loves us and he wants us to love him back. And it really does just bring you to a place of humility of, wow, I thought that's all I could get, but you, you know, all along you wanted to offer me more. You just had to get me to that point. And it's something, I mean, I'm so thankful for it. I know for sure you are too, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's like, um, I, can't always feel inadequate in trying to find the words to describe how it feels to truly experience God for the first time because you I mean it's something only he can provide and an experience you can only have with him yeah you know 100 percent and it's something that you know can't ever be taken away from you and Mm -hmm. it's an unforgettable day and it just happened in the most oddest of places a closet you know but yeah it doesn't matter where it happens but that's where I was just filled with his love and um it, it, it changed my life forever I finally felt complete i felt loved for the first time i knew what it was to love um i thought i belonged i thought i had somebody looking out for me and that's that's what meant so much to me um he uh so he, he just he just kept changing my life up you know for the better mm-hmm. and uh everything every day was just amazing i was learning more uh i um i really had a good breakthrough of diving into it more when I went to this uh, church camp. It was like a two, three day, like a revival kind of service that we mm-hmm. would call, right? And at this point, 
I had found out what um, he meant to me. I was learning everything that he meant to me, what he was to me, you know, my father, my savior. And throughout this camp, I ended up finding out what I meant to him mm-hmm. and how he saw me uh, as a son, as, as a prince, as uh, just so much more that I just said, wow, uh, this is what I want. You know, this is what I want every single day. And then I would remember asking the questions, like, can I, can I experience this every single day? And the mm-hmm. pastor was like, of course you can. You know, it's God's <laughs> joy, God's peace. You can experience it mm-hmm. every single day. And I, I knew what that scripture meant. You know, better is one day in his courts and a thousand elsewhere. I, I understood mm-hmm. that to the fullest. It was, it was just amazing. And so uh, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be fully committed to this. And so I get baptized. Mm-hmm. I get baptized. But um, at the church I'm at, uh, I would label it, it's a Pentecostal church, but they have a Trinitarian doctrine. Okay. So very much the Godhead's a bit confused. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did baptize me in the titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but they were aware of like uh, tongues. Mm-hmm. They were aware of praising God. And so I was exposed to that. And, and yeah. I really liked it. I really liked, you know, praising God. I still do. Being able to jump for joy and do it all I want, just express my full self for God, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm so glad that that's where God placed me from in the beginning. Yeah. So I got a good dose of that, and then of course, like always, I started to seek more, mm-hmm. and I got curious again. I, I I I read my Bible and I was reading and reading, and, and some things started to click again, and I started doing another smell test. I said, well. Why am I all of a sudden confused on the Godhead? Mm-hmm. When I was in Islam, there was always just one God. And I remember we would, when we would go and uh, have conversations with other Christians, that would be the one thing that we always used against them, mm-hmm. is that they believe in like three gods, mm-hmm. because the way they explain <laughs> it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was always one thing that we had over them, like we only worship one God, you know, you guys have like three, that's just they all came yeah, out of nowhere crazy. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they came out of nowhere like in the old testament they weren't there mm-hmm. and so that all that started ringing back to me and i was like that's true like in the old testament it's just one god now all of a sudden you get to two and it's like two or three mm-hmm. like but of course i still know jesus is god it's like i do know you know i'm not forgetting that day in the closet mm-hmm. like he he uh i know he's my savior i know he's mine but i i'm still i'm missing that link you know so i'm yeah i'm i'm you know I'm seeking more and I'm wanting to understand more and then that's when I come across Jared uh, I come across Jared again through um, another college friend like college I guess just has such a big impact in my life but yeah. we meet through um, a common college friend that we both had uh, we never knew of each other at this point but we knew of each we didn't know each other but we knew of each other through yeah. this common friend because that gotcha. common friend would tell us each both like hey jared there's a guy named jose he's just like you and i would hear mm-hmm. the same like hey jose there's a guy named jared that's just like you mm-hmm. you know hearing that and so um, one day this friend asks us uh hey i'm hosting this outreach event would you guys mind coming uh teach us individually and so that's where i meet jared i meet jared for the first time and so jared he goes up and sings and i say my testimony and so afterwards we're just we both see something in each other and when I saw him I, I could swear to you that it was an angel it's <laughs> just kind of just so bright yeah uh it was God's light shining through him mm-hmm. and we had some good conversation it was all about God we start you know diving into the word and automatically I can see like this guy you know he knows his stuff he's mm-hmm. definitely a soldier for Christ he you, you can start seeing that he's real you know he's yeah. real into what he is he's a real Christian and um he goes right into just giving me a, you know, a Bible study. <laughs> he sneaks it He's in like, there He's like, you want to know more? Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, right? He sneaks it in there, and he tells me this one thing. He's like, um, he starts off on baptism. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Jose, do you know that no one was baptized in the titles? And I was like, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit? He's like, yeah, everyone was baptized in Jesus' name. I'm like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, it literally states in Matthew that, you know, this, this, and that. He's like, mm-hmm. I, I, he's like, I promise you, man. He's like, you can read the entire Bible, and every single time that someone gets baptized, it's in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, let me read myself. Because <laughs> that's just the kind of person yeah. I am. I have to learn for myself. I have to read it and see it. Yeah. And so I go home, and I start reading throughout the New Testament when they were baptized. And sure enough, all of them were baptized in Jesus' name. All the times anybody, any single person got baptized, it was in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Which 
I mean, I definitely would think of that as a positive trait. Like, there's lots of Christians who don't do that. And how many times have we been told by whether it's our bishop or people who've come to speak at our church, like, you have to know these things and seek these things out for yourself because you can't survive off of what somebody else believes for you. You have to just be able to get that for yourself. And so um, after I come back, uh, well, I get Jared's number Mm -hmm. and I call him. I think two days after that, I'm like, you were right. Every, <laughs> everyone was baptized in Jesus' name. I'm like, how come I've never come across this? Like, I've, that's not really preached at my church. I, like, well, how, how did you know this? Like, well, that's just the, you know, the faith that I follow. I've, mm-hmm. I'm on part of, I have an apostolic doctrine. And so I, I get curious, of course, because I'm like, well, he's already right on this. Mm-hmm. Let me listen to Adam even more. And he starts telling me about, you know, hey, to be saved, you, you must uh, have the Holy Ghost and evidence speaking in tongues. And I wasn't um, appalled by, you know, speaking in tongues, because like I said, at the church I was at, they were, uh, they had Pentecostal experience, so there was people speaking in tongues. I just, I looked at it more so that it was a gift for some people, not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, As many churches do. But, right, yeah. yeah. We'd be surprised. Some of them, they definitely don't recognize mm-hmm. it. Like um, a Seventh-day Adventist church that I checked out once, that they just, speaking in tongues is like of the devil almost. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really crazy. But, um, so I, I, I start hearing him out. I listen to what he's saying. And at this point, I'm like, just curious. And the one thing that does catch my attention is that he starts saying that there's only one God. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, well, that's what I was most struggling with. Like, what do you mean there's like one, like explain to him this whole thing. Cause everyone else says, Hey, there's Jesus, there's the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. there's you know, God the Father, and, and he's like, no, 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 you know, it's all in one, and he starts breaking it down for me, and it, the Godhead, honestly, it has to be a revelation that you do get on, on yeah. your own, you definitely have to pray about it, but at least what he explained to me, it matched up to kind of what I was reading, like, in the Old Testament, like, there's mm-hmm. no way they could change from one to another, it has to be the same. Yeah, and I mean, even in the Bible, the Bible says that the Godhead is a mystery, it says the mystery yeah. of the Godhead, and I've heard so many times bishop Wright especially will tell you a mystery is not something like we in americanized culture think that a mystery oftentimes is kind of like magic like it's just you won't know how it's done it's not for you to know that's like part of what makes yeah. it that thing but really the mystery is something it's not that you can't know it you just have to seek it out to know it and god of course wants you to know him so it's exactly like you said you just have to seek it out for yourself and he will give you the revelation but it's not something we can grasp intellectually so it has to be like it has to be a spiritual revelation and a lot of people that's hard to grasp but yeah yeah because you're right like thinking about it intellectually there's just no way because it won't make sense but if you pray about it, God really will give you the revelation, and that's when it started clicking to me. So then I was like, you know what, I, don't, I wouldn't mind going to church with you, because of course he was already mm-hmm. inviting me to go to church with him, you know, Jared, the way he is, and then he really starts pressing me about, you know, the baptism thing, and uh, I, I look at it, I'm like, well, you know, like everyone was baptized in Jesus' name, so I might as well do it, just, you mm-hmm. know, to be safe, just to be I safe. I want to be safe, yeah, yeah. Because you know? I was like, well, I was already baptized, you know, I was baptized twice already as a little kid mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church, and then now, you know, in the title. Yeah, like, so I was like, it couldn't hurt, and I don't want to risk it, so yeah, I decided to get baptized. Um, but at this point, I had, I had not spoken in tongues, and I got the Holy Ghost, but I did, um, I did start seeing the need for, like, okay, it, he's right, like, I start reading the, the scriptures, and it makes sense, like, we, I have to speak in tongues, and so I start asking God, like, you know, God, I, you know, I want your spirit. I, I want to be saved. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to enter your kingdom. And it, I went a few services, maybe almost like a month and nothing. Maybe a month is exaggerated. But it, was, it wasn't it was that time for it. At it least it felt, felt like it a felt month. It felt like yeah. a while, yeah. But uh, th- then it just comes, you know. There's one service. Brother Tolbert was preaching. And I remember uh, that's the day that I got the Holy Ghost. And I remember that day. It was, it was uh, I was praying the same thing, of course, like, God, I want to mm-hmm. receive your spirit. I want to open myself up, you know, whatever. If I'm in the way, you know, get me out of the way. And it was like fire came down from heaven and just mm-hmm. consumed me. And it just, it just started flowing out. Um, because at this point, too, I would always like, well, how does it even happen? How does yeah. it work? You know, like, <laughs> uh-huh. it sounds like gibberish, you know, yeah. like, I just don't get it. But um, it, I didn't have to get it. I just literally just, yep. it you just came. Yeah. It. It, just, yep. it just, I was like, okay, so this is what he's talking about. Like, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Um and that's when I was like, this is a church that I got to go to. This mm-hmm. is where I, I got to be, 
because they have the truth. And so if I, I could say something is that if you really do seek, you will find. And no matter where you start off, if you're really hungry enough, he will take you to an apostolic church because that's where the real truth is. And that's just kind of where all roads lead to is if you really want to know God in his fullest. Um, and like I said, I mean, I, I tried out different churches. I learned about them, learned different faiths. And I got to the point where, you know, I was hungry and I did want to know. And, and this is where I came and everything's checked out. There's, mm-hmm. you could, I can do a smell test and it, it all checks out. You know, this, this is his will. This is his word. And that's what I love about it. It follows the Bible 100%. It's just nothing else. No other interpretations. It just goes off the word and that's it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is such a powerful testimony. I've been really careful to try and not say stories because even though they, I mean, you know, like it's a truthful story, but it's, it is, it's your testimony. And one of the verses I love so much is that God says we are made overcomers by number one, the blood of the lamb and number two, the word of our testimonies. And both of those things really, when you think about it are both just gifts from God. Like we didn't have to ask him to go hang on the cross for us. We didn't have to ask him to resurrect himself and then to of course extend that mercy to us and we didn't have to ask him you know from little kids well I don't know what journey I don't know what walk I'm gonna take but whatever it takes just lead me to you you know like he he just does it because he loves us and because he truly wants to be with us and wants to have a relationship with us and I think I had very similar thoughts um that you did um and a lot of it was not only that I could, of course, you know, go in the Word and go in the Bible and say, yep, this checks out. I did my own smell test, as you said, like, yep, this is right. That's what the Bible says. But also just that, you know, the the core of what we believe and what it all boils down to is that relationship with God. That is the reason why he extended us his mercy in the first place. And that's why he sent his son down to earth. And that's why you know, everything that happened in our life to bring us to the point where we could be exposed and either choose to accept and continue on in that relationship or turn away. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. It's been great to hear about all your experiences because there's lots that I didn't know and I'm sure it'll be like that with everybody, but that's, you really do have such a powerful testimony and our testimonies are powerful, you know, like if we share them with people, then that word cannot return void so i want to thank you again for coming on yeah of course anytime and uh you know just look at the roads that we're at right and uh yeah. ultimately god will find you you know help you get his way you get a i don't want to say there's an easy road and a hard road but there's a designated road and there's yeah. an undesignated road and you could take either or but mm-hmm. he's gonna continue striving for you and that's such an awesome thing so yeah somebody who is never gonna give up on you Take the designated road, please. Yep. <laughs> From two people who've learned. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you again for coming on. We hope you guys all enjoyed Jose's testimony, and we'll see you next week in Jesus' name. Jesus' name.